right, all right. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to Football Talk, where we discuss most things Chelsea and all things football. Today, I am here with our regular boy Simba and Gaz. Gaz, it's been a minute. But yeah. How's it, guys? Great to be back. Ah, we love to, we love to hear it. We love to hear it. Um, yeah, it's this is going to be the beginning of our tactical podcasts. We're going to be we're going to be channeling our inner clubs, our inner pips, and yeah, we're going to start talking about how tactics are influencing. The game that we uh, that we love to see, love to watch, and for some even love to play. So yeah, um, today though we're going to talk about the four-two-three-one. That's what the fans want, and obviously we we are for the fans. We give the fans what they want. So yeah, we're going to talk about the four-two-three-one. And yeah, yes. First impressions of the 4231. Where did you first see it being employed and what do you think of the tactic in general? Um, what I think about the tactic in general is that I like it a lot. I think it offers a lot of creativity, especially in the number 10 role. And it allows, it just allows, it's like one of the most perfect formations. But I think like in recent times, it's it's been brought back, but before that, like mid uh, 2010, it like died out because the number 10 has died out traditionally, such as Yamez and Ozil, now out of favor, but it's now coming back with Bayern and Muller. It's great to see. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, the way Bayern blitzed through and got their treble with their formation, it's been, yeah, it's been crazy. It's literally been pace all the way through and yeah it's 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 been literally like a blitzkrieg as as they would say it's been literally a blitzkrieg so it's been interesting to see how buy and play um yeah simba what do you think of the four to the one yeah um <clears throat> i think it's a it's an interesting formation um like what um guys said and what you said as well when you highlighted Bayern Munich, I think they are possibly right now the best team that actually utilize it very well. And it gives you a lot of tactical options, um, lots of ways to play. And yeah, it's it's a very interesting formation. Of course, it has to have the right personnel in it to, to be able to execute it very well. So yeah, I think it's a, I would say, interesting formation, I guess. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, it it definitely does cover the interesting section. Like, uh, same for me. It's sort of those tactics that, for me, they indicate that someone is about to go all out, like uh, all out attack mainly, but also giving a little bit of concern at the defense. So, like for example, I think the fittest players in the four two three one should be your full backs. So your right back, your left back. So using the Bayern example, Kimmich. And Alaba, I believe. Davis. Was it this season? No, Alfonso. There we go. But like, yeah, it was uh, between Alaba and Alfonso, like one of them has to be 
able to run up and down the whole game, which Alfonso in his first games has shown that he's well capable of doing. And I'm sure if he gets injured or something crazy happens, like Alaba will be ready to do the same. Um, yeah, the 4-2-3-1 is definitely a tactic that's... The one problem with the 4-2-3-1 is that defensively in, tran- in the transition, it's, it leaves you exposed at the back. Even with Bayern, we have seen like people are able to get behind them so easily. Like you have to have like a, a DM, a defensive midfielder such as Kante or or Kimmich, who can literally has good interception skills, who can cover. But if your p- double pivot is like such as Chelsea's Kovacic and Jorginho, you're <laughs> left under high pressure. You're left exposed. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I was actually about to say the same thing. Like you just have to have the right personnel because if you have like uh Kovacic and Ajorginia, of course they they're great players. They're 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 good at certain things. But then if you have players who aren't defensively aware, who are not good defensively, then it's gonna cause disaster. And as Gaz said, on the transition you get demolished. Simple straightforward. Also with the fullbacks uh, pushing up you can leave you. You have to uh, defend us with good intelligence and communication. Nah, that's true. That's true. Like, yeah, especially like I just remember that like most most formations, especially now in modern football, most formations have have that defensive midfielder to screen the back four. From any like yeah, to be like the first defensive water test rather. But now like with the four two three one, you're getting rid of that. And if someone gets in behind the last center midfielder, it gets like yeah, it's now like a proper three on four. Of which if you have a talented dribbling midfielder, even if it's someone like Benafa for example, someone who can take on two or three people, it's already dark because like everyone will try to swarm in and that's making space for others. And yet basically defensively it becomes a shambles. Exactly. So yeah, now I get that. But it, I think one thing that um, I'm going to take you guys in the, on a bit of a history lesson. Like I was shocked when I heard this as well, but like the 4-2-3-1 was actually made as an improvement to the 4-4-2 formation. Like, when I deepened, when I actually think about it, I'm like, okay, the 4-4-2 is such a classical formation, which means that, like, if someone then tracked back to make it 4-2-3-1, it was not only, like, slightly recent, but also, like, it also has to be, like, kind of back in the day. So... From my sources, I heard that in the early part of the 90s, the coaches were trying to figure out how they could win the ball back high up the pitch and also attack quicker while keeping the ball. So basically, the 4-2-3-1 was a result of a 4-4-2 and Juan Malilo, a Spanish manager, saying, right, I am going to pull back one of my strikers and turn them into what we now know as the number 10. So that was like 
how the four two three one started, and you was managing a uh, side from Colombia, Atletico Nacional. They, I think they made like a good, a few good performances in the Copa Libertadores. Um, not too sure about how good the team they are now, but yeah, that's basically where the four two three one was started, and then obviously Spain decided to carry on the four two three one because it's possession football. And Spain thrives on position football. So that's basically how it started. That's interesting. That's interesting. Right. Just like the double pivot. Exactly. Like the like, build up. I think it's it's easier. It's easier to have a build up. If your one passing lane is uh, right beside you instead of in front of you, if you understand what I'm saying, or you can just Played up uh, onto your number ten, easier, and he's in the half space, allowing your wingers to go through, or your mm-hmm. striker to go through also. Yeah, that's true. It's just like yeah, it gives you offensively gives you a lot of options. Because if you look at it, every player is in the half space. Is in between the lines. That's true. Especially the midfielders. The midfielders have to have that box-to-box ability. Like you can, or it's. I think like with the midfield, you can either have like that box-to-box ability for both of them, right? But I feel like that's the one that leaves the gaps. I think that's what happens. Like for example, Jorginho and Kante. That's what happens. Like they both try to play box-to-box, and then there's that one time where they're both forward, trying to like make the attack work, and then there's spaces in behind. Then there's the one that. Most people are accustomed to, like you're saying, where you have like Kimish and maybe Goretzka up front. Well, not up front, but the attacking midfielder and Kimish, the more defensive midfielder, where he's like playing as a DM and Goretzka is just doing everything offensively. Yeah, I think that's why I think um, I'd say like Bayern Munich are the best example when you talk about them in the modern time because. In that pivot, in the, it's crucial that you have a ball carrier and um, um, well, a ball carrier and a defensive-minded midfielder, and you have a box-to-box. So, like for instance, well, we'll, we'll look at last season since um, this season just recently started. But you look mm-hmm. at Bayern Munich, the midfield they'll line up with with Kimmich, and then you have your Thiago, and then up front you have I don't know Nabri, Goretzka, Muller, Lewandowski. In that midfield, you've really got a balance. Thiago can dictate the play because he's an excellent ball progressor and he can he's press resistant. He can move, um, drive the ball up and give it to the attackers to do their thing. And he can also play box to box. And Kimmich is just that guy who's just gonna sort of like a Philip Lom in a sense. Well, he is a Philip Lom region. He just sits. He just sits there. He can either yeah, he can he can um collect the ball from the from the defenders, from the keeper, and then um, progress it. But he can just sit there the whole time. And you find that that's why many teams actually struggle to to beat Bayern, um, to play through Bayern, in a sense. I feel that. But then, like, Dickie, in terms of seeing the 4-2-3-1 being put to perfection, is Bayern the best ever team to do it using last season? Or... Is there another implementation of the 4-2-3-1 that was done 
better than what Bayern did last season? Oh, I think that's a difficult question because, um, of course, there are a lot of other teams that use that formation to great heights. I mean, you look at even early days at Dortmund Club, 4-2-3-1. That was just like, that was amazing. The, the pressing, the attacking, the football was just amazing. That That's where I have like short life in the flesh. But then Bayern now, even Bayern back in the day as well, in that period when they did the treble with, um, what's his name? Yep, Heinkies. They also yeah. used a 4-2-3-1 them to great effect. So those are like the, the teams I remember. I think maybe Chelsea, 2014-15, when Mourinho came back, we also used that, where it was uh, Matic Fabregas and then Hazard, Oscar, um, William, or Schiller down the right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they also used that very effect. I remember the first part of the season, we were playing amazing. 5-3, we just like abandoned. We're just like, nah, we're not going to do this anymore. And then we just went all defensive. So it's difficult. I, I wouldn't say Bayern are the best, but as I said, I, I wouldn't know who actually is the, the best team to actually ever use and utilize it perfectly. I see. I get where you're coming from. Gav, what do you think? Do, do you, would you say that Bayern are the best to ever do it? Or there's another team that comes to mind? I think Bayern is the most dominant I've seen in a single season. But I think uh, I've seen um, Chelsea implemented well. Uh, Madrid used to implement it very well. I don't know if you guys remember that uh, with Kaká. And... Oh, yes. uh, Kaká yeah. and uh, Mac, is it Makaleli? Who was other yeah. midfielder? There was Makaleli, and then there was a point that he also did it with Özil. I think Özil was playing ten, though. Yeah, exactly. With Kadira and them. Oh Kedira, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was doing it with Kadira, and then Özil was up front. Well, not up front, but playing yeah. ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah Madrid Kedira team and Bayern are probably the best team. Because it just requires a team that's just with pace. With, remember Mourinho counterattacking, that was it. Yeah, that bail goal—that's the first thing I think of. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, it was. Ish, that was crazy. But running around Daniel Alves—that was yeah, that was a bit insane. But Kawaza, you know me, Kawaza. That's my favorite formation, especially as a football manager. <laughs> Dude, you know what? Like, I was actually about to pull up with a bit of like football manager about to say that like that four two three one is pretty much unstoppable in the game. Well, if you if you put your tactics right, because obviously like the four two three one is just like it's just the build. Obviously, there are multiple managers who play the four two three one different, and another manager who I was going to use to play the four two three one is actually Austin Wenger. At Arsenal, he used to play the four-two-three-one, but he he basically the only fast player that he used it on the pitch with is like Theo Walcott. Mm. The rest, he had Cazola, Coughlin, Özil, Iwobi, Giroud. Okay, there may be Sanchez sometimes. Like obviously, Iwobi wouldn't stop, but Sanchez would stop. And the perfect example that I'm going to use for this is obviously that goal against Norwich. That was like 
Now, I think that was like the perfect example of how a passing 4-2-3-1 can actually just like ruin a whole team. Exactly. Can I can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, shoot. Like in the number 10 role in the in this formation, what do you guys prefer? Do you prefer a shadow striker or a playmaker in that position? And what, what do they offer and what's the downsides? All right, let me let me take this one first. Um, uh-huh. obviously, obviously for me, I would want uh, a playmaker, right? Um, I, I want a playmaker because that playmaker is the closest. That that number ten is the closest to the forwards. So obviously, by the forwards, that's left wing striker, right wing. So I would rather want the left wing, the striker, and the right wing focusing on getting themselves in either goal-creating opportunities or goal-scoring opportunities. So obviously, for this, for in a typical formation, I'd want the left wings already like close to the byline, making runs for inside runs or making runs into space for crossing type of thing. And then, yeah, like that would be a huge upside, especially having someone who's unpredictable on the ball. So an example that I would give is probably Dortmund Yarmolenko. Yeah, like the, the Yarmolenko at Dortmund, where he's all, all Gabbiadini at Napoli, like when he played 10. Just like someone who's lanky, unpredictable, also able to take their own chances, which is great. But then the downside with both of those players is that like you lose a whole lot of pressing like in the middle especially. Like, for example, if you're playing against a 4-3-3, the DM is going to be so free because um, the typical thing is that a playmaker is lazy in terms of defense, so that would be my downside. Okay. And you, uh, Tiki? Yeah, I think for me, I would probably lean towards number 10 simply because I think the second striker role is... People don't actually realize, but it's a very, very difficult role to play. I remember even just speaking from my child's perspective, when, when Mason Mount does play that role, I remember people criticize him, say, ah, Mason, he's not the typical number 10. But it's a really difficult role to, it's a difficult role to play because you look at the players who can play more. You look at Muller. Muller is known for his playing in between the lines, half spaces. He just, he just plays where there's space. And he's the perfect example of that second striker role. Look at even, I, I, I know I always call him, he's a fraud and whatnot. Even Ali, to a certain extent, um, can play that second striker role. So it's just, there are a few people who can play that role. But with the number 10, I think it's, it's more of uh, like the, the, the orchestrator, I guess, I would say. He's the one who connects everything. He's the one who makes the passes, who, who like creates the play in the sense. So I would go for the number 10. Of course, as Tawanda said, it, it's, it comes with these downsides. I think maybe sometimes it just depends who you put as a number 10 because it means that they have to, there's certain things they don't have, um, they can't press and all that. You look at it also. I think the reason why it's at Arsenal is because yeah, it doesn't do a lot of work off the ball with Nowadays, managers value that a lot more. So it's like, yeah, it's a bit of, yeah, it's it's tough. But I would say I'll go to number ten. Number ten. Okay. 
Yeah. It yeah, it really depends the thing. Because like the one time that I would take a shadow striker is if there's a false nine. So prime example being like that Loftus Cheek Eden Hazard combination when Eden Hazard was playing like number nine and Loftus Cheek was right behind him. Like there's no recognized striker between the both of them, but they made it work. So that kind of combination, like it's uncanny, but yeah, with the right personnel, it does work. So for example, which other two players would I use to make a false nine and a shadow striker combination? I'll probably put someone like Mertens at false nine and then Havertz as a shadow striker. So, Even yeah, Liverpool like, tried it. Remember when Liverpool, when uh, when Klopp first got there, uh, Coutinho was still there. He was the number ten, and Firmino um, was the, the shadow striker or the false nine. I mean. Oh yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's when. Yeah, exactly when Firmino got. I think Firmino actually had his best performances with Coutinho. Exactly. That Brazilian, the Brazilian cup, the Samba boys. Yeah, exactly. Now nah, they were making it work like that. Because, yeah, like so many people forget that that Firmino guy actually landed to Liverpool as a number 10. Mm-hmm. Act 100%. But, yeah, like, I don't know how, like, that. that's another guy that also just needs to find his form. Well, it, it's hard for him to say, like, to find his form when he's not even a striker in the first place. Thing is, people that don't watch football don't rate him. If you're not watching football, <laughs> you don't rate him. You don't understand. You don't understand his off the ball movement, the pressing. You can just see when he's not on the pitch, and when he's on the pitch. That's the only description I can give. He's not going to give you twenty a season because you really have two players on the wing who can do that already. He just yeah. does his job, and that's yeah. good enough. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. I think I think with that, you find that that's where like the social media thing comes into play because you look at people start comparing Martial and Firmino and I'm like, they're two players who do two different things in the systems. Martial wouldn't do what Firmino does at Liverpool. So it's, it's mad. It's mad. And Firmino, as Gaz said, Firmino doesn't need to score because He's already got two people who are banging in 20, 25 plus. So it's like, yeah, they can do that. I can just do my own thing and score 10, 10 a season and we'll, we'll still be good. So, yeah. No, that's weird. So, yeah, that, that in itself has just showed like how you've got two different ways to use the 4 2 3 1, especially going forward. But once we, we actually never talked about the back, like we never talked about the back defensively enough. So if you're going to have a four, two, three, one, what type of center backs would you want? Um for me personally. A lot of pace. Yeah. First of all, pace. I think for me personally, ideally I'd want uh, a center back who can pass between the lines. So like a I would say not a David Luiz type, but a, a, a center by like that who can pass. So I would say like, okay, I'll say a Van Dyke because Van Dyke knows the pass. Then 
the other one, the other CB should be like a ball progressor who can um, play the play the ball throughout defense, out the defense. So I would say, I don't know. I'll say maybe um, um, Zuma. Yeah, Zuma. I think yeah, Zuma. I think he he's a no nonsense guy. So he, that pairing would be. Would be good. That that'll be my ideal pairing. Then of course you have the fullbacks. Uh, of course I want my fullbacks who can give offer me something in attack and in a, in defense. So yeah. I see. What about the port? Yeah, I'll I'll take the port. But then I think you have like a similar, maybe a similar role to to Van Dyke because when you put when you, when you pair CBG, you don't have two CBs doing the same thing, two CBs are going to break the ball 60 yards. It's no point. You might as well, you need to have one who can do passing and then one who's going to do the other stuff, like the cover defender who's going to do all the slide tackles and all that stuff. But I would I would put the port, but yeah, as I said, I wouldn't put this two of the same CBs in the same position. I would put two of the same. I, I get where you're coming from. So, yeah. That that would be my ideal pair. Yeah, I guess you also you're also with that, right? Um, in terms of pace, in terms of ball playing, in terms of hard knit defending. Yeah, you, you just need to have an aggressive defense, intelligent. Basically, you need to have the perfect defense in this formation. Yeah, because that's... they're gonna get exposed a lot. No, that's. Really I think that's bad. why it also. Not a lot of teams can really implement this defense, this formation very well. That's why they stick to a 4-3-3. Exactly, where, you, where at least like you tire out the offense with the defensive midfielder before they then come to the thing, before they then come to the actual defense. Yeah, exactly. I, I see that. Yeah, I mean, one thing that we also mentioned as well is that um, we said... 4-2-3-1 is perfect for playing from the back. So, obviously, your keeper needs to be tactically where you need to have, like, an Edison type of keeper. Or do you, do you need, like, a full Edison type of keeper or do you need someone who can simply pass the ball? Oh. Um, I'll go for a Noya type keeper. That, that's what I'll go for. I think, I think, you know, the thing is, personally, a lot of keepers, um, well, managers now value keepers who can pass the ball. And it makes sense because the keeper is the first attack. Um, mm. So it does make sense. But I would want a keeper like Noah. I think Noah is just like the complete keeper. Like he can do everything, so he will be my. If if we are talking about passing the ball from the back, I would definitely take Noya. Then, if that's the case. I see. So then, yeah. So, okay, I'll I'll put it to I'll put it to two keepers that have like slightly different styles. Like you said, you can. I'll have Noya on one side and All Black on the other. What would you prioritize? Oh my days! Why are you doing this? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's good. Like I want you to actually think about it because, like, yeah, like it's good to have a ball playing keeper, but you also need like the thing is like a keeper is also there. It's like the last one in the stick, so he has to make the saves, you know. 
Oof. And this one's difficult. I'm not going to lie. I love both keepers. I think, yeah, as I said, Anoya, he's the guy who, who kicks off, who kickstarts attacks. He's the super keeper. He can pass. He can do everything. Oblak is more of the, the traditional keeper. Of course, he's decent when he's passing the board, but he's mm-hmm. not Anoya level. But when it comes to reflexes, um, like one-on-ones, everything, he's arguably one of the best. So I think it just depends, like, if you're a manager, what you value the most at the end of the day. I think if you're a pep, you value Anoya. But then if you're, like, um, a, a club, you value um, an Oblak. So I think it just depends, honestly. It just depends. Nice, see where you're coming from. Guess? I have to go Noya, bro. That's the only choice. A Noya type keeper who can just ping it into your number nine to bring it down to your number 10. Exactly. Or just a quick switch to your fullback and build up. Something like that. Nah, I feel that. Yeah, so it's undoubtedly annoying. I would obviously pick Noya. I was just I was just trying to pick your brain, like just see what you would end up saying in the end. But yeah, like I think you're just trying to make him hate his own players. <laughs> you know, like I wanted to see like to make how, him how, hate how, it. how far how far you're willing to go over the line for for your boys. So I need to, you know, test test the boundaries. <laughs> now Noah is the alpha male of keepers, bro. Like that's just a fact. He's just an alpha male of keepers, bro. Now that's where that we can't contest that. And finally we finish with the fullbacks. Um yeah, like like I was mentioning, I think that the fittest players on, on the 4231 should be the fullback since they're running up and down. From personal experience, I will tell you that yeah, you can work without a fit fullback since I wasn't one. But yeah, that's a story for another day. Um <laughs> yeah, um who would you have a pick? Who would you pick for these fit fullbacks, like the ultimate fit fullbacks? Okay. Not, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, the first thing that came into my head in terms of fit was Alfonso Davies, but I'm trying to see besides fit, like, I rate, I rate Alfonso Davies as a player, but I just really think that he's a left midfielder, not a left back. So I'm trying to see. Well, obviously, then his his teammate Alaba is the one that comes first in my head. Him, his other teammate Teo Hernandez, like no, 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 not Teo, Lucas, Lucas Hernandez. But he's he's even more of a centre back. But on the right side, I don't know if you could say Walker. Uh, Walker's one of the best. Oh yes, Kyle Walker's good. He's got pace and stamina. That's that's a combination that is yeah dangerous. So yeah, like then again, I think this just goes to show like how fullbacks are rare. Like proper fullbacks are rare. You can either have like a defensive fullback, like Ivanovic, for example. Ivanovic was a defensive fullback. 
or you're going to have like a full-on offensive fullback like Regulon, Alba, Dinia, Ashley Cole, Ashley Cole. You know, um, yeah, it's it's either defense or offense. Like another defensive fullback that was really good was obviously Bosengwa. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bosengwa. Actually, like Portuguese right backs back in the day were good. Not these Dalo types. Each man United fans, I'm sorry, I'm joking. Um <laughs> the San Mourinho thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Blake, but yeah, like I'm talking about like those old, old fullbacks like uh Paulo Ferreira, Jose Bosingua. Obviously, those are Chelsea players, but those are the Portuguese fullbacks that I knew. So yeah, those are the guys where I saw like, okay, yeah, they prioritized defense, but when they played in a 4-2-3-1, they made sure that they contributed on both sides of the pitch, regardless of their abilities. 100%. Yeah, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, I think you just have to have balance. Um, I think balance is just key. Of mm-hmm. like um, the left, it just at the, yeah, it just you just have to have balance. Like the right back, who's going to be doing um, what and what? Because I think you even look at Pep. I know it might be diverting a bit, but they look at Pep's system where the Walker um, is an inverted. He comes inverted, inverted fullback, and then the left back is the one who does all the overlapping and underlapping. So yeah, it's about having that balance and having roles and all that. I guess. Yeah, that's true. Like, it, it doesn't... It, most, like, the left-back doesn't have to do exactly what the right-back is doing. Like, depending on your system, you could have two different um, left-backs and right-backs, and they still, like, compensate. They cover for each other on the pitch. Exactly. Exactly. Nah, I feel that. But, yeah, I mean, that's... That's basically it then. That's us covering the four, two, three, one in depth. Just to recap on the certain on, on certain things. Um, like I was saying, the four four two is where the four two three one was born. They just brought a striker back. Yeah, I'm sure like in the, in your mental map you can see how easy that is. Just like put him like directly behind. And then oh yeah, another thing that I forgot to say is that like obviously before before calling it a center attacking midfielder, that number 10, he was called a center forward. That's why, like, even Messi, when he played that number 10 role at Barcelona, he was called a center forward, not a CAM. Because, mm-hmm. yes, I guess. I remember those days. Yeah, you, you remember those days, right? So, like, yeah, with, with the long hair. Yeah, all those, all those positions, but now everything is different now. Yeah, exactly. They, we even used to have left forwards and right forwards. Suarez was a centre forward. Exactly. At Liverpool, yeah. wasn't he? At Liverpool, he was most started as the one who was doing most of the the, the goal. Okay, yeah, they both did the goal screen, but Suarez was literally the the guy who would link up everything. Exactly, because yeah, that's a centre forward's job. Well. A centre forward's job is more oriented towards scoring, but he also has to be able to assist. Exactly. I think another good example of a centre forward, but from the women's side, would be someone like Rapinoe. 
Oh yes, the problematic woman. Yes, the problematic woman rapping. Her. She's I think in women. Trying to get us cancelled, yeah, Diggy. <laughs> 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 we have to say everything and everything. <laughs> exactly, we have, to, we have to cover every aspect. But now, like, I mean, on the pitch, on the pitch and off the pitch, we can definitely say that she makes a statement. True. I just really hope that she she lands into the Premier League, like what her American counterparts are doing. Yeah. Yeah. True. 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 Basically, just finishing off with a recap, we said that in order to have the perfect 4-2-3-1, you need a Neuer type of keeper, you need fit fullbacks, you need one ball-playing centre-back and one no-nonsense centre-back. Um, you need, in the midfield, you need one player who's offensive-minded but still a centre-midfielder and the opposite side on the other side, the defensive, a DM who can play center midfield. And then for, for CAM and striker, we said it depends on whether you're going to have a playmaker or a shadow striker. If you have a playmaker, you're going to have a full-on striker as, long as, as well as good wings on either side. And then if you're going to have a shadow striker, you're going to need a good false nine as well as fast, pacey, technical wingers on either side. And yeah, that's it. That's it for us. Um, Gaz, Simba, any final words to the 4231? It's a great formation. I hope Chelsea play it in the, with the <laughs> right pieces on the board. Hashtag Kaya Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I was, you know what? Actually, before the podcast, before the before we record, before we started recording, right? I was actually telling Simba like this thing of Mason Mount finding himself in the lineup should stop. That's Lampard's son, bro. Have you seen that meme of of the Chelsea first eleven? You've got. Uh, Everyone in Leven, did you just see Mount on the, on the screen with just 12 players? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my dude. There's so many conspiracies right now. Man, the kid needs People to are saying Pulisic is not injured. He's not injured. <laughs> Mount just has to play. Coming out there, putting extra weights on Pulisic's weight plan and like making sure that he stays a bit fast. <laughs> Man, people come up with weird conspiracy theories. Like, I even saw one today um, when the international teams were announced and then Ziyech got announced for Morocco. And people were like, ah, but Lampard is saying he's not fit. Lampard is saying he's not fit. Ah, wait and see. <laughs> Watch him, <laughs> hear him tomorrow and say, ah, Ziyech is not fit. What do I? I was just like, wow. <laughs> I did. I vowed, like, if one of them doesn't pull up for the Crystal Palace game, we're going to start rioting. <laughs> Man, you know, yeah, now the kid needs to rest, though. Like, I actually feel sorry for him now. Like, look, bro, he just, he works too, he works hard, man, but he needs to rest. He needs to rest. He needs to yeah, rest. Like, like, he hasn't been working. He has shown some results, which, and he has shown that he's quality, but yeah, he needs he needs to rest. Exactly. Definitely needs to rest. Just hoping that this weekend yeah, he gets a rest, but 
Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just see how it goes. See how but it, yeah, we can only hope. If you've come this far, thank you very much for listening. We're going to let you rest. Um, I hope that you're going to think about the 4-2-3-1 and think about how you're going to use it in FIFA or Football Manager. Or you're going to be telling Pip and them how to use it after the tips that we've given you. (laughs) But yeah, thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.